All right. Hey, God is doing a great work in our midst. Amen. And he's doing a great work through our church. And many, 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 many of you are a part of that happening. And um, I'm encouraged. Because lives are being changed. People are being transformed. Um, I'm seeing it in my office um, as I'm counseling and working with people. I'm seeing it at our youth group. I'm seeing it at our college and career group. I'm seeing it um, at our life groups. I'm seeing it through the worship team. I'm seeing it in our ministries that are happening. Um, are you guys seeing it? Yes, yes awesome. Um, if you want to see it or you want to see it more, then I encourage you to become more involved in the life of the church um, so that you can be a part of and experience the work that God is doing here. And I really just want to share a couple things, and then we're going to get back to worship. Um, turn to Exodus 33. Exodus 33. In verse 7, it says this, Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent door. So I have a couple applications from this scripture that I want to make. My first one is this. They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. They wanted to be a part of what God was doing. So Moses is at the tent of meeting. The pillar comes down, and they want to partake in what Moses is doing. Are they in the tent? Nope. But they wanted to be as close as they could. They'd come outside their tent. And look what it says in verse 10. The people would rise up and worship each at his tent door. They wanted to partake in what God was doing. Um, participate in whatever way you can, fully and actively. Um, and be involved in, in serving in various ways. By doing this, we're partaking in the ministry of the body of Christ. Lauren's word is very appropriate. It was very appropriate. I hope you all received Lauren's word um, because it was spot on. What we're doing throughout our week affects what happens here. And each of you play a part in what's occurring here, small or big. And um, as he said, your sin can be a hindrance to the Spirit working in your own life, perhaps in the life of others. Maybe he wants to use you. It's a little bit hard to do that, the Lord to use you, if you're not walking with him. So, receive that word um, that we need to be active in our participation um, in the word, in prayer, in ministry to the body. You know, perhaps today the Lord has a word for you to give um, to us, to me. Uh, this past week, Justice and Mike Smith and I um, went to Belize. Yeah. Um, we had the opportunity that the plane tickets were um, dirt cheap, and um, we're looking at expanding our outreach in Belize, and so we wanted to talk um, and take an extended time to talk with uh, one of the pastors that 
Um, we are um, met last year and have t- developed a relationship over this past year. And so, um, you know, we've worked, you've probably heard Libertad um, and Pastor West many, many times in the past. We're going to continue um, our work in Libertad, and we're expanding to a couple of villages over to a village called um, Calcutta. And there is a um, non-denominational church there led by um, Pastor David Smith, um, who is um, just an awesome man of God, has a heart for the word, has a heart for the Lord. And um, so we traveled down there because the opportunity presented itself and to do some kind of pre-trip setup, um, get just miscellaneous details taken care of for our summer trip. Um, we have, a, I think, uh, 10 people going for our trip this summer, which is very awesome. Yeah. And seven are going to um, Belize for the first time. And many of those people, actually, it's their first mission trip um, outside the U.S. ever. So that is encouraging to me. It's very exciting. As a side note, we will also be having a trip to Haiti in the fall. We mentioned that um, in the past, and we will give you more details um, in the weeks to come on that trip as well. Um, Our work in uh, Belize, um, God is really blessed And we've been privileged to make contacts with a number of pastors over the years. And um, our heart, which we have really um, um, kind of adopted from Praying Pelican Missions, uh, who we've worked with a lot in the past and even served and led other churches on mission trips, um, is to work through the local church. And not to be the Americans that come in and say, hey, this is how missions work, this is how you do it, but to come to those pastors and say, you know, how can we serve your village? How can we serve your town? What can we do um, to strengthen your ministry? What can we do that will best benefit this um, village in this country? And so um, a lot of times, especially just with cultural barriers, those conversations are a lot easier to take place face-to-face. Um, and even then, there can be some challenges in communication. So um, this trip allowed us to sit down at length with Pastor Smith and to hear his heart for Belize, to hear his heart for Calcutta, and to see how we could be a part of um, partnering with him as we uh, go back to Belize this summer. Um, When we first got there on Sunday, we were just there for four days, and so really Sunday was a travel day, Wednesday was a travel day, and we were really just there for the two days, so we had a lot packed in. Um, But there's a gentleman, um, Pastor Ed, who is in um, kind of the northern part in a place called Orange Walk, who leads uh, the biggest children's ministry in Belize. And um, he's only been doing this. This is very interesting. We we didn't know this until we went. Um, When we first went in 2009, um, a number of people the Lord impressed upon that Belize was the key to reaching Central America with the gospel. Um, And we found out on this trip that in 2009 is when um, Pastor Ed started his children's ministry. Now, I don't think that's a coincidence, Um, When he started it, he had actually resistance and opposition from his church, and he felt strongly that he needed to do this outreach to children um, in his village. And they said, if you're going to continue with that, then you probably need to go your own way, which was disappointing. His denomination said that. So um, he stepped away from his denomination and stepped, um, stepped down from where he was at because he felt just a conviction that he needed to do this. And God has blessed um, his ministry um, since it began in 2009. He started basically with, like, backyard Bible clubs. That would probably be the best way to to describe it. Um, To now, 
he travels um, internationally to different countries in Central America, training, training them how to do children's ministry. So he's been to Honduras, Mexico, Guatemala. I think they're getting ready to go to Nicaragua. Um, and he just has a... Uh, he, he's a fun guy to be with, but he's very sweet. He's very gentle. He's very humble. His wife um, is awesome, too. She only speaks um, Spanish, so there's a language barrier for, the, for us with her. Um, Pastor Ed is, is bilingual. Um, why don't you cue that slide presentation up? These are just some pictures. So we really just stopped at his church. He... we. We would love to go and partner with Pastor Ed, but he doesn't need us. I mean, he really doesn't. I mean, that's the truth. At this point, we are not needed to work with Pastor Ed. We would love that, but God is doing such a great work, he'd really be doing minister, ministering for us, and we'd probably just slow him down. Um, but we do. We love him. So we got an opportunity. Um, his church is on Sunday afternoons, and so we got an opportunity to go there. And now some people complain that our service is long, okay? His service, three hours long. Three hours, all right? So today we thought here we would try something. (laughs) Three hours long in Spanish, okay? With some occasional English thrown in for, I think, our benefit. So, um, if you see some pictures up there as they get it up there, you're going to see some kids. Um, it was really cool because they had a little part of the worship service where the kids, like, made their own instruments and, like, you know, brought them up to the front and were all, like, beating on them and everything like that. I think it'd be cool here if we did something like that for our kids. In part because I just wanted to see, like, how the worship team would react, you know, to some kid on a, on a xylophone, just me, 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 me. Because it was kind of interesting how the... The beat went during those songs. <laughs> but it was cool because they're engaging the kids in the worship. Um, we, it was a good time. We're, we're blessed to be friends with Pastor Ed. Um, one of the songs that we sang, we sang twice. Ancient of Days. Have you guys heard that? Justice has that a little clip if you haven't heard it. That's like one of Justice's favorite songs we found out on the, on the trip. So... The most popular version, I think, is I think is by Ron Cannoli, where there's like a bass solo, and then like a flute solo, and then a drum solo, and then just random solos, right? It's like eight minutes long. Well, we did that. We did the whole eight-minute thing, right? And then about two hours later, we did that whole eight-minute thing again in Spanish, both times, okay? But it was really good because um, it was neat to see the people engage. I love that. That's one of my favorite songs, too, so... I was singing in English, um, and it was good. Justice and, and Mike were having a good time as well. Um, but it kind of reminded me of something, because I'm like, man, this is a long song, and we're playing it twice, and, um, you know, is that too much? The answer is no, um, for a couple reasons. One, look at Psalm 136. So in Psalm 36 which is an amazing psalm. I love it. It's probably one of my favorite psalms. Um, It starts out in verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Now, um, if you remember, months ago I preached on this um, key word, hesed, right? So that's that word, steadfast love, um, that's being translated from the Hebrew hesed there, which is like, 
the fullness of God's love and his covenant relationship with us. It just entails so much. Um, I'd have to preach the sermon again to really give it back to you. But loyalty, faithfulness, um, covenant relationship, all of those things are wrapped up in this word. And in this psalm, I mean, however many times, 26 times, it repeats, his steadfast love endures forever. And you know what? We cannot hear that too much. We need to be reminded of that. Um, the Israelites needed to be reminded of that. We need to be reminded of it in our daily lives. We need to be reminded of it when we're worshiping. Um, Hesed, over and over and over and over, God was trying to make a point to them through the repetition in the worship. And repetition occurs throughout the Psalms. It probably occurs here the most. Um, but I want to make a point. When verses or phrases from a song are repeated over and over again, listen to this. Oftentimes, what the worship leader is trying to do is to get you to meditate on the words and actually go deeper than just some surface blurting it out of your mouth. So, ironically, one of the criticisms is that songs can appear rather shallow because you're singing the same phrase or stanza over and over. Uh, when the design is to get you to think deeply on the words you're singing. So when a phrase is being repeated, um, when a phrase is being repeated, when a phrase is being repeated, it is likely intentional. And the worship leader is wanting to draw your attention to that phrase. It's not just a little, oh, time to go into the next song or something like that, or um, I forgot the next chord or something like that. It's intentional. Um, think of your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Okay. Um, some of us need to sing that like a hundred times in a row. Because then it might finally start to sink in a little bit. And when you sing something repeatedly, um, at some point you can't gloss past the words. You actually have to think about them. You have to think about them. Because you're singing it over and over. You're almost forced to think about them. Now, if this doesn't make sense to you, or you've never tried it, then, then just take Psalm 23 or Psalm 91 or one of the famous psalms and just read through it a, very, a, a few times. Because it's very, 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 very rich. Okay. Um, there's like a meditation that you're being drawn into. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. Chew on that for a while. Think about that for a while. Say that to yourself a few times. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And chew on that for a while. And say that over and over. What does that mean? Meditate on it. Ponder it. Think upon it. And, you know, if your quiet times are dry, you just go to the Psalms, okay? And slow down in your reading of them. Quality over quantity. Uh, and and pick, pick Psalm 23. You've probably read it, you know, a hundred times. But internalize it and go slow and think about what does each sentence mean? What does each verse mean? What does each word imply? You will get some rich things from it. One of the things that um, the Lord impressed upon me when we were at Pastor Ed's church, um, the worship leader um, was, was a young lady, probably in her 20s, and it was hot. It's always hot in Belize, pretty much, okay? Um, they have a couple months where it's, it's not too hot, but it was hot. The sun is beating down. It's, it's a bright day. And the sun just beats differently in Belize. Um, 
It's just the truth. And um, everyone, had, they had a little, like, canopy, and we're all under it. But the way the stage was, and it was a raised stage, the, um, this lady was up on the stage, and she wasn't under the, the canopy didn't cover her or give her any shade. And, like, the, the way she was standing, the sun was just, you know, three, it was probably three, four o'clock in the day, just right into her face. And I was like, dude, I feel sorry for her. <laughs> but she, um, I mean, she, I was convicted, impressed, blown away by, she just poured herself into the worship, and, and there is, like, sweat just pouring down her face. And I'm like, she is, she's hot. Like, just, it is pouring down her face. Um, and I'm like, she must be dying. But you know what? You would not have known it. I mean, you would have thought she was in air conditioned, you know, sipping a tea or something like. I mean, she just she looked like she was fine, but she was she was fully engaged. And it, here's what it made me do: it made me ask some questions um, from my time in worship as I reflected back. It made me ask these questions um, for worship: What bothers me? What holds me back? What is a hindrance? What is a distraction? Because I can tell you this, on that day, nothing bothered that lady. Nothing held her back, nothing hindered her, nothing distracted her. And she was engaged in worship. And you know what it did for me? It encouraged me to engage in worship. It encouraged me to partake. And when I look around sometimes and worship here, um, all it takes is for me to see like one or two people Sometimes just fully engaged. You know what I'm talking about? Where people are like, they're fully engaged in worship. And I'm like, man, I want that. I want that. And I'm like, I'm going to get it. Right? I mean, it's there. And she was engaged, and um, noticed nothing, nothing was going to stop her from worshiping the Lord. And, and um, man, what a resolve that we need. Um, that's what I want. And, um, and, and, and some of you here have given that, helped me get there. Because of, of you fully engaging, all right? So that, again, back to Lauren's word, right? Ministering to one another. It's a ministry to one another. You're helping other people come in and engage. Um, one last thing in Psalm 145, if you flip a couple chapters over, it says this, A song of praise of David. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And I love verse 4, where it says, One generation shall commend your works to another. Okay? That's what, that's what we're doing here, right? Because we got at least three generations, maybe four, and that's, that's what we want happening, right? We're commending God's works to each other. If you read on, it says this, On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Now, when I, when I came to verse 6 and 7 the other day, I was like, man, they, like, what is the they? You know, because sometimes they use different figures of speech, and, you know, so I'm like, is it the, 
the wondrous works or something, and they're like personifying it or the glorious splendor. No, it's actually going back to verse 4, the one generation commending your works to another. So they, the, the people in that generation, shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. It's this continuing thought that's going on. And then David saying, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Okay, So when we're doing that, what's it talking about? Man, in the worship service, right? We're testifying to the people around us about who God is. And we're making a statement of faith to them when we worship, when we engage. Specifically, you could say, you know, parents to their kids, right? It should be a time of training. It should be a time of teaching. But even to the person behind you, even to the person in front of you, even to the person across the room, you're testifying, all right? When you lift up your hands, when you get on your knees, when you say amen, it's a testimony of who God is to you. And I encourage you to partake in that. Here's what Calvin said. He said, verse 7, as the verb nabang, which is in the ESV, the pour forth uh, in verse 7, means properly to gush out, some suppose that as applied to speech, it means not simply speaking, but an overflowing utterance like water rushing from a fountain. And then later, that last verb, sing aloud, uh, in verse 7 in the ESV. Um, In the close of the verse, he says, it answers to this meaning to shout or sing aloud. And I like both of those, right? Shouting, singing aloud, which I've talked about before, but also this idea of pouring forth or gushing out, overflowing utterance. We can't stop worshiping because God is so great. We can only but worship him. So I encourage you, I'm going to have the worship team come back up. Um, I encourage you to not let anything be a hindrance to you today. I encourage you to have no distraction. I encourage you to engage fully. We have the mic here. If you want to pray or you want to share something, you know, I'll be in the front row. Um, keep your prayers to just a couple minutes so more people can engage, or if you have something to share, um, do that as well. But, um, you know, if we sometimes stop and listen, God speaks. He will speak to us. And he is a sweet, sweet God. And he loves each one of you. And we all need to be reminded of that. That he is good and he is merciful and he is kind and he is gracious. And whatever your hurts, whatever your pains, he, uh, in fact, in verse, or in 147, Psalm 147, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Okay? He can put that healing balm on whatever hurt you have and take care of it if you but come before him. So I exhort you, my brothers and sisters, to to engage the Lord in worship. Um, He is worthy. He alone is worthy. Let's pray. God, Father, we love you. We thank you that you heal up the brokenhearted. 
I pray for anyone here, Lord, that needs that healing, that you'd minister to them, God, that you'd send your spirit. There are things, Lord, that only you can do. So I ask that you would do them, that you would minister to your people. You would shower them with love, shower them with grace, shower them with mercy. And Lord, we we do want to engage you uh, on a corporate level and also on a personal level, God. You You say we can come before the throne. That's engagement. You say we can do that with confidence. That's a personal engagement that we can have with you, Lord. So let us engage you now, God. Let us extol your name. Let us sing forth your praises. Let us give you the glory that is due to you. We love you. Amen.